Some of you saw that picture of me gazing up at the eclipse. I mean, I nearly burned my eyes out looking at that total eclipse in Nashville. I wanted to see that thing. I wanted to see it all, experience it all. I tried to take pictures. In fact, I did take pictures. I've had my, my nose to the window and my eyes up to heaven all my life. I've enjoyed looking at the stars. I'd walk out in Temple, Texas on my 41 acres. Walk out of the house that I was the general contractor for that we built in the middle of those 41 acres and I'd look up at the stars and just enjoy God's wonderful creation. We only lived in that house five months till this committee came knocking. And I said, that can't be God. That can't be God. And Janet finally said, you better go and talk to those people. And so we made a trip down here, and they put us up at a hotel in downtown New Orleans. And it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't sleep because God was stirring something in me. And there was this little balcony. It was about the 11th floor, you know. I thought, hey, I'm awake. I'm going to go see me some stars. Walk out on that balcony. No stars. No twinkles anywhere. I can't see a single star in the whole sky. And then my eyes fell to the lights that started at my feet and went out in every direction as far as I could see. And God said, these are your stars now. I want you to come to the city and help my people shine like stars as they hold forth the word of life. That was my call. To help God's people shine like stars. I say, where's that come from? Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, the apostle writes to his loved ones at Philippi. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. You think that fits? <laughs> so we come full circle. Back to the stars. Continue, he said, to obey. The apostle did not have a big presence, apparently. Some people said that he was not much of a preacher or much of a leader. And he was criticized on that account. 
He told one church, when I came to you, I came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he didn't try to sound profound. He just talked about Jesus. But while he was present, people listened to his teaching and his preaching. And they grew in their understanding of the Savior. And they sought to follow him. And so he has this nagging anxiety that these folks in Philippi who trusted Christ and learned of him and followed him when he was physically among them, that they might decide with his absence that they'd stop walking the walk and being the people God called them to be. And so he said to them, much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I would say to you, the presence that you've had in my life and I've had in yours has been wonderful. Those memories are permanent. And now I speak to you as pastor emeritus of this congregation, and I'm urging you in my absence, deacons, step up. Bible teachers, step up. Even much more in my absence, be the person God has called you to be. Do the work that he's called you to do. Now, some of you have been amazing in your service to God. You have been amazing, and I am amazed when I look at the faithfulness that you have demonstrated in your prison ministry, your, your nursing home ministry, your ministry to the immigrants, your feeding ministries. It's, it's astonishing to me. You have become institutions as teams of people who go out by the dozens every Wednesday to minister to the hurting people in our community, and I would say to you, even much more in my absence, Anna Palmer, work out your salvation. God's using you in a powerful way. So even much more now, continue to do. You say, well, what does that mean to be faithful? It means that you work out what God's worked in, okay? So continue to obey and continue to work out what God worked in. Now, I like that little phrase. It is God who has at work in you, right? So it's God who is at work in you. It's the Holy Spirit who is working you. He's drawing you to himself. He's drawing you to a walk that is pure and blameless. Is that in your mind to be? Have you ever thought about, I want to be pure and blameless? I mean, that's what he talks about here. That's the goal. That's the purpose. Pure and blameless as a child of God. I think there's a, a new need for that in the land today and maybe in many lives. A goal to have purity. 
and blamelessness as part of who I am, as part of my walk, so that I'm not violating the Word of God or I'm not stepping into things that are in the shadows as a follower of Jesus. I want to be pure and blameless. That's part of shining like stars. Amen? I mean, that's, that's part of the walk. The walk is to stay pure, stay blameless, to work out what God's worked in you. God has done a marvelous thing for you. We just sang about it. He has changed you from the inside out. He has saved you. He has incorporated you into his family. He has given you eternal life. He has provided a home in heaven for you. There's so many things God's worked in you. And now you are to work out what God has worked in. And that's, that's the simple word, uh, Greek word, that is often translated uh, work. The main part of that word is the word that is good works. And good works are mentioned throughout the Bible, as you know, repeatedly. The Scripture calls us to a life of good works. From when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that people may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, all the way to Titus, where Paul encourages the church to be known for their good works. These good works authenticate our words Without these works, without the purity and blamelessness, without that initiative that we take to carry the love of Christ to the hurting and the helpless in our world, without that, our words just fall at our feet. Without the demonstration of love, God has loved you in Christ in this marvelous way demonstrated at this table. So you must love others in this same way, and therefore your words will be empowered. And without them, you just sound like an empty gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just a nuisance. You're an irritation as you try to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ and your life belies your words, undercuts your words. And so, shining like stars means seeking to be pure and blameless, living a life of holiness. Where I'm saying, Lord, I want to be looking like you. And holiness is not just the absence of things. Remember that, okay? Holiness is not just the absence of things. It's not just the things you don't do. Holiness is the things you do. It is the cup of cold water that you share. It is feeding of the hungry, the caring for the hurting. It is you reaching out to people in need like Jesus did and caring for them. And it authenticates the witness of the gospel. So these two things, word and deed, that God might continue in my life and yours to help us be mighty, both in word and in deed, so we do not fail to articulate the gospel, nor do we fail to demonstrate the gospel. Going forward for the church in this land, in this city, even more important, that word and deed are hardwired together so that people see the gospel as well as hear it. Work out what God worked in to you when he saved you and changed you and gave you the Holy Spirit. Depend on God to fulfill his good purpose. God works in you. God works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill 
his good purpose. God is seeking to change you emotionally and mentally. He's seeking to give you the mind of Christ. He is working in you to will. That's part of his work in you. When the will lags in you to follow Christ, to be his person, to share his love. When the will lags in you, you need to reconnect to the Holy Spirit who is within you, to the God who loves you and saves you. Because the will lagging is an indication that you're disconnecting from the one who is your source. He is at work in you, both to will and to act. There's so much spiritual laziness in the world. And God is calling us to be people of initiative who see a need and step up to do it. Who see the widow or the orphan or the foster child that needs the love of Christ and we are the ones. And you say, I just don't know. It's costly. Yes, it is, but God is at work in you. And if he is at work in you, he is changing your will, what you want, and he is changing your act, what you do. He's unleashing you in the world with both the desire and the empowerment to do his purpose and accomplish his will. That's very exciting. Now I want to talk to you as Pastor Emeritus for a minute. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's what he says here. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you will shine like stars in the universe. Do everything. What's the word everything cover? You think everything would apply to your home life? Okay. You hear people say, don't try this at home. I want you to hear me say, you do this at home first, all right? Don't try this in the church. Don't try this with your neighbor. Don't try this with anybody until you do it at home. Do everything without complaining or arguing at home, in your marriage, in your family, okay? Put it to work right there first. Don't try this in the world till you do it at home. If you try it in the world and you don't do it at home, the people at home are going to say, what a hypocrite. Look at him. He loves those people out there. Oh, you won't say a cross word. In here, yeah, you're going to undercut your witness to the most important people in your life if you don't do this at home first. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's how you're going to shine like stars. I so want you to shine like stars. I want the light of Christ to come through you. And that means that complaining spirit and that arguing spirit has just got to be set aside. There's got to be a true servant heart as a dad, as a mom, as a teenager in your home. You say, as a teenager, God wants me not to complain or argue as a teenager? Hey, I got a sister named Debbie. And my father told us that Debbie, as a young teen, taught our family how to hug. Yeah. 
She started it. And, and dad said, Debbie taught our family how to hug. Teenager, I want you to teach your family how to love, how to show affection, how to care for one another, how to demonstrate that love, all right? Everybody in the home practice this right there with father, mother, sister, brother. And once you're doing it in your house, then take it to your neighbor and take it to the church and take it to everybody else in your circle. Do everything without complaining or grumbling. I hear God whisper to me sometimes. I don't really hear it audible, but I hear it. God whispered to me, build houses. And I remember conversations where people said, what's that got to do with church? Well, we were trying to help people in the lower ninth word, and we just weren't making traction. We are trying to build, build economic opportunity, and it was hard. And we thought, well, home ownership is one way for a family to accumulate wealth. And so for these that we have tried to work with so long for years, we went into the Upper Ninth Ward and built those houses. And I remember the moment in California when we were driving down the highway very vividly when I realized God told me that. That was the voice of God in my heart. I mentioned that because Courtney said that that was a tremendous moment in her spiritual life. And it was, I think, for all of us, that moment when I, I challenged us to build 40 houses for Jesus' sake, and this congregation stood to its feet and applauded. And you know what? 91 houses resulted from that word from God. And there are people who have a house over their head in Musician's Village today. In fact, somebody last night told me about somebody who lives in Musician's Village who said, if y'all hadn't obeyed God, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. God whispers. Listen to his whisper. He's talking to you. He's talking to you about your home and your family and your marriage and your children. He's talking to you about your future and your career Listen to what he is saying to you. There's the danger that you will look in the world and say there's too much to do. It's overwhelming. There's need everywhere. What can I do? One little person in all of this big world. What you can do is listen for God's voice in your own heart. And he will point out to you, the person in need, what you can do. And when you know what to do, do it with all your might. Amen? When you know what to do, do it with all your might. Put all of your energy into it because God will unleash through you his power and he will enable you where you feel completely incapable. And he will lead you through that time and that will be the great thing that God does in you. Work out your salvation. Do everything without complaining or arguing. God has given you some difficult things to do. Sometimes you look at your life and you say, this is tough. This is hard. 
Yeah. They require the most of you. These great things God intends for you to do. That's what will tax you. That's what will test you. That's what will take you to the limits of your patience, your ability, and your faith. That great thing that God has called you to do. It may be in your own family. It may be in your own home. It may be something that God has called you to do in ministry. But it will take you to the limits. Josh and I were fishing in Alaska. We were at the confluence of the Kenai and Russian rivers. The Russian river is clear. The Kenai River is muddy. It was combat fishing. People next to us standing elbow to elbow all along the banks. The salmon were running and everybody wanted to catch them. I made my way to the peninsula between the Kenai and the Russian River. Josh was over on the bank somewhere. I had this fishing rod I'd borrowed from the youth pastor. It wasn't that great. Threw that thing out there. I saw this flash of silver, and my line just went, Phew! I thought, I got me a fish. I tried to stop the line. I couldn't do it. I grabbed the pole. I tried. There was nothing I could do to stop that line. The fish was just zipping it off. I tried to push down on the reel and burned a blister on my thumb. I thought, I've got the fish. I slogged across the river, got water in my waders, fell down on the bank like a whale. People start jumping out of my way, said, I got this fish, I got this fish, and it's just going like this, and I try to stop the line, it won't stop, it won't stop, and then the fish starts going this way, it must be down there maybe 50 or 100 yards, and fishermen all along the bank start jumping out of the way, screaming, and some of them were even using some bad language, all right, because my line was getting in their way, and it was getting in their line, and... Everybody became unhappy with me wallowing around on that shoreline trying to land that fish. And I looked down at my reel and I had a few loops left on the reel. I was about to be out of line and I still hadn't stopped that fish. I thought if I go to the very end, my fishing's over in Alaska. So I just said, somebody cut the line. This guy just five yards in front of me whipped out his knife, stepped up there, and bing! I woke up at one o'clock in the morning thinking about that fish. <laughs> Thought, what was I doing? The whole reason I went up there was to catch that big fish. I said, God, what are you trying to teach me with this fish? And this is what came to my mind. David, are you the kind of guy that cuts the line when the going gets tough? Are you the kind of guy that just lets her go? See, all kind of wonderful things God wants to do through you.
And the greatest thing that he has for you is the thing that will cost you the most. The most energy, the most love, the most patience, the most time, the most wisdom and determination and perseverance. That's what will cost you the most. And so often, when it gets tough, we just cut it loose. I'm so glad that you are stars. A star has its own energy source. It's not a moon. You shine like stars because the Holy Spirit resides in you, producing the light that shines through you, right? You're not reflecting David Crosby's light. You are generating your own. It is the Holy Spirit within you. You don't need me to shine like a star because that's who God built you and made you to be. And so everyone in the room has the capacity and ability to say, Lord, here I am. Let your light just blaze through me. Do in me through the Holy Spirit what you want done. I want to be the star that shines in the universe as we hold forth the word of life. Bow with me, please. Lord, we, we thank you for your faithfulness through all these years and all the things you called us to do together and the partnerships that you brought to pass, all the ways that we linked arms and hands and saw you work so marvelously. God, thank you that your work in us is only beginning, but you have so much more for us to do. God, make us obedient. Make us faithful. Help us to continue to work out what you've worked in us. Help us to do it without complaining or arguing so that we might shine like stars in this universe as we hold forth your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.